This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Welcome back to the show, where every week we go exploring in the pursuit of awesome. You can count on us to keep you informed of all the best shiny things out there, when we share our Awesome of the Week. In each episode, we also take your questions and bring you the answers you need to help you uncover all the awesome within your own life. For this week's show, we put out a call for questions just for our Hollywood housewife, Laura. She spills the secrets on the gross thing that helps her fall asleep. Also, her advice for getting started in the entertainment industry after film school and the once-a-year ritual that totally recharges her batteries. All of that coming up in Episode 10 of Sorta Awesome. Hey, awesome friends. We have such a fun show for you today. Lots and lots of you are so interested about the life and times of our Hollywood housewife, Laura Tremaine. So we put out a call on Twitter and Facebook for some questions just for her. So she is totally in the hot seat today. But first, we're going to start as we always do with our awesome of the week. Laura, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, let's hear it. Okay, my awesome of the week is a little bit beating a dead horse. <laughs> so so roll with me because okay. I do think that there's still a lot of interest in this topic. Okay. I'm with you. So let me back up. Last week, I went to dinner with some girlfriends and we ended up, well, we talked about a million things. It was really great. But we ended up talking a ton about, guess what? Cereal. Ooh, I love it. Did you listen to Cereal? I did. Well, remember this. (laughs) This is funny. Remember when it first came out, you were like, you have, have you listened to Cereal? You've got to check it out. And remember, I was like, I don't like murdery stuff. And then I wondered how we were friends. (laughs) I know. I know. Um, Because I didn't understand the concept of the show. I didn't understand that it was looking at the investigation and the trial. I thought it was all about the murder. And then finally, we were together around Christmas, remember, and you were like, "Um, it's like not gruesome. It's not gory. (laughs) The murder itself is not the, the, the main focus of series. Yeah, it's it actually wasn't about the murder because they know so little about the actual exactly horrifying details of the murder of Haman Lee. But So, well, so anyway, that is to say, I did finally listen to it. I completely binge listened to it once I started it because it's so incredibly fascinating. So, yes, I've I've listened to it. I'm I'm a huge fan of the show and the story. Okay, good. That's not my awesome. That's just leading into my awesome. <laughs> but I mean, it's eight months later, or however many months later, and people are still talking about cereal. I mean, it's in so many conversations I'm in. So at this girls' dinner, we got to talking about it. It was we got very lively. I mean, we all had different opinions about mm-hmm. what happened, what didn't happen, the prosecutors, the, all of it. And um, but both of my friends there had suggestions for me to go listen to further podcasts. So there's been a lot of podcasts about the podcast, right? Absolutely. Yes. There's like spinoff analysis podcasts. And I listened to some of them in real time, like when Serial was um, 
was running live and then I would go listen to like a response that same day or whatever. And I listened to several different ones and they were interesting. It's good to, you know, have people be talking about it because you're thinking about it and all that. And I like that, but I didn't necessarily love any of those podcasts. I didn't subscribe to them for later listening or anything like that. But my, one of the ones that my friends told me about, I am now all in so much so that it is my awesome of the week. And it's a podcast called crime writers on serial. Um, so it's four crime writers who talk about serial, but they also talk about a lot of true crime stuff. Like they talked about the jinx and they talked about the staircase, which is a documentary that I loved and am recommending to everyone also. So if you're into, the true crime genre, you will love this podcast. And here's why. So there's four of them. The the main host and her husband, um, they write books together. They're like a crime writing team. Crime writing (laughs) duo in love and writing. (laughs) Right. And her her name's Rebecca Lavoie and her husband's Kevin Flynn. And she works in radio. So for podcast listeners like myself, this ups the production value about 400 times. Oh, wow. It's really good to listen to. It's really well produced. It's not amateur in any way, which is fantastic listening. And then um, Laura Bricker is a kind of investigative reporter. She's also worked as a defense investigator. And then Toby Ball, who is a um, uh, journalist and, and also... I think he writes some fiction, true crime type fiction things. And he's sort of like the foil. He's usually kind of like the devil's advocate. Ah, But they are smart and interesting and they talk about it in the way that I want to talk about it. And they, um, because I've been into true crime for a year. Did you know this, that I've been into true crime for like forever? I know. It's one thing that I just, I cannot wrap my mind around because it is the antithesis of what I'm into. True crime stuff bothers me. Like I can't sleep at night and you watch it before you go to bed. I watch it to fall asleep. I know. I can't handle this. <laughs> it makes no sense. I cannot and handle it. Especially because I am, um, you know, spend a lot of time traveling and stuff like that, like in, in sort of unfamiliar scenarios where I might yes. get like nervous or scared. True crime, like puts me to sleep. I can't I watch it. it. I cannot I know, like all of them. deal with it. No, I watch like the news. I watch the evening news and I'm freaked out for days because I'm afraid someone are going to have like a, a home invasion. So no, I cannot deal with it. Oh, I'm frequently worried about a home invasion. It doesn't like quell that. I'm sure it ups that, but I love it. I mean, it started like a long, long time ago when it was mostly forensic files was one of the only oh, right. kind of shows that was on. Yes. Now there's so many. You can watch Dateline and one of my personal favorites is The First 48 on A&E. Oh my gosh, I can't handle it. I cannot. I read, I read the books. Oh my gosh, I have so many good books. If anyone out there is listening and they're also obsessed with true crime, mm-hmm. as I am, you have to check out um, Vincent Bugliosi. He writes the best, the best. I'm so obsessed with Vincent Bugliosi that I named my hard drive Bugliosi. (laughs) (laughs) Number one, number one, I love that you named your hard drive. I don't even, that never occurred to me. You don't name your hard drive? I have never, I have several hard drives. They are nameless. They're just, well, that's boring. I know. I know I'll name a vehicle. No problem. But I don't name my vehicles. <laughs> We're so very different. We um, are opposites. We are. Okay. Okay. So Vincent, I'm not even going to attempt his last name. That's very true. Bugliosi, B-U-G-L-I-O-S-I. Um, and uh, my very favorite of his is called And the Sea Will Tell. But he also wrote Helter Skelter, which is about oh, a more familiar yes. murder, obviously the – Yes. Charles Manson murders. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the prosecutor in that case. Oh, so okay. he writes these just amazing, very detailed. They're very dense. So they're not for the light true crime reader. But okay. And, and you know what? Back to my awesome. That's the reason I kind of like the crime writers on serial podcast is because um, 
They're not talking about it from as much of a pop culture level. Oh, right. So all the ones that I've listened to were mostly – talked a lot about serial as – I mean, they talked about the crime, of course, and they talked about Adnan's guilt or innocence. But they also talked a lot about how – why this was so popular – uh, true crime as entertainment and the moral implications in that, all that kind of thing. I think those those conversations are interesting, but this podcast that I'm recommending is not that. It's not so much pop culture as much as it is like they're really actually talking about the crime, right? Yeah, <laughs> and the and the legal mm-hmm. uh, different scenarios, and um, I don't know. I just find it fascinating. I have binge. Li- I just learned about them a week two weeks ago maybe and I've like binge listened to all of their episodes and they update now that serial's over they update a little more infrequently maybe once or twice a month but then they are going to come back when they're um when serial season two starts if it starts right yeah so I think that so many people are looking for kind of maybe maybe serial was their first tiptoe into this kind of genre. They're kind of looking for something to fill that. But even if you've also like loved for years, like I have, then you'll really love it. Okay. And so say the name of the podcast one more time. Crime Writers on Serial. Okay. And their website, their website is crimewriterson.com. Okay. Okay. Excellent. We will totally put that in the show notes. And um, yeah, if you're just listening, if you want to pull that up real fast, there you go. Crimewriterson.com. It is. It is fascinating listening. And for me, it combines the, all the things I love right now, podcasts and murder. Perfect. <laughs> podcasts and murder. There you go. It's <laughs> the breakfast of champions right in your ears. Okay. That is awesome. It really is. Now, I did – I am like you. I did not um, – when, when I was listening to it, of course, I listened to it like a week after it was all over. So I totally missed the train because I, of my aversion to murder. <laughs> and also, I like – remember I had those like moral things like, should we, should we be making murder into entertainment? You're like, this has been done for years. <laughs> the Basically – I talked you into it. I'm like, yes, we should be having murder as yes. entertainment. No, no, no. I don't really believe that. But I do think that it's no it's no different than investigative yes. journalism. Yes. Well, I did not. I did. The only follow up thing that I did was I did read the J interviews. Mm. What? No. Oh, my gosh. I should have looked this up ahead of time. The publication. I can't remember what it was. The Intercept. The Intercept. The Intercept. I read that. That is the extent of the um, sort of the the rest of the story that I did. I did not listen to anybody else's commentary on it. There is a whole episode of Crime Writers on Serial about Jay's interviews. Ooh, good. That was really interesting. And then also, of course, they're now covering, um, I don't know if you know that, that there is a podcast called Undisclosed. Mm. Now, I will say about Undisclosed, it's put on by Rabia Chaudhry. She um, is obviously a huge Adnan advocate. And in fact, that podcast is paid for from his defensive legal funds. So it is it is not unbiased. It is very, very biased. Yes. Yes. And there's a lot of things that I don't love about that podcast. But if you're into specifically serial, then it's a pretty much a must listen um, to get kind of odd. It's kind of like Adnan's side of the story solely. I love that. I love. Whoa. Can you hear that? You hear the thunder? Yes. We're getting ready to have a thunderstorm. Um, I love that to this day, Adnan's innocence or guilt is like, it's so divisive and that people have such passionate feelings and thoughts and I love the I know. way it can at just that, at that girls dinner cereal came up towards the end we'd been sitting there for hours just you know having a great girls dinner and it came up towards the end we'd already paid our bill or whatever we were definitely winding down in the night when cereal came up we lively once again we were <laughs> everyone had an opinion we had to talk about it they could not believe i believed the way i believe yeah 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 i could not believe they have a brain in their head they believe the way they believe yeah. and we got so into it but like you know in a lighthearted yes not 
not yeah. serious way, but right. oh, it was very funny that all of a sudden there was so much more energy at the table. I know. Like you said, even though months, it's it's been months since that season wrapped and people still have some really big feelings about it. I love it. Okay. That is fantastically awesome. Thank you so much for sharing it. Like I said, we'll put some more information into the show notes if that is something that you all want to look up. Um, my awesome of the week has 0% to do with murder. I'm just going <laughs> to, that spoiler, like... I'm sorry. I dropped the ball on this. It's like the opposite of murder. It's about planners, daily planners. <laughs> yes, the safe, comfortable, non-threatening topic. Everybody needs a planner. Everybody does need a planner. And and actually, here's a segue. People actually really do have big feelings about their planners too, I think. A lot of people do. I don't know. Do they? I feel like they do. I feel like people, well, okay, let me say this. I feel like that there is a certain kind of person out there that has really big feelings about about their, their planners. Now, so there, there's a planner subculture? There is totally. Oh, my gosh, Laura. Have you ever been on Facebook? The groups devoted to specific publishers of planners uh Aaron Codron comes to mind and Filofax. I mean, there are any kind of planner system that you are into. You can find your tribe of people. Are you serious? I am 100% serious. Yes. I'm telling you, people that are into planners. Now, obviously, there's going to be people that are ambivalent about the topic. They're not into it. But I find that there are people who find their thing and they're into it. And that's my awesome of the week. I have finally, finally, after many years of searching for the perfect planner, I have found planner Nirvana for myself. (laughs) (laughs) And so let me introduce to you because I feel like you and I have not even talked about this a little bit. Um, The system of of planner that I have found that I love and actually stuck with since January is called the bullet journal. Again, has 0% to do with murder, (laughs) just to clarify. It's Which, a different. Who is the biggest nerd today? Me, who <laughs> wants to talk about murder, or you, who feels passionately about your planner? I don't know. I don't know. You guys weigh in. Who is nerdier today? Megan I'm voting Laura. for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, but seriously, this the journal system of bullet journaling has changed my life. It's it's the kind of bullet that you would. Um, use uh, in writing, not in a gun. Um, But so the idea is, so it's a whole system that was created by a man named uh, Ryder Carroll. He's a sort of art and design. Hang on, let me look at what his official title is. I I did actually look this up. He's an art director and interaction designer who lives in Brooklyn. And he, if you want to go to the website, bulletjournal.com, he walks you through step-by-step how you set up a bullet journal. Let me just read to you his um, his sort of intro for the system. It says, for the list makers, the note takers, the post-it note pilots, the track keepers, and the dabbling doodlers, bullet journal is for those who feel there are few platforms as powerful as the blank paper page. It's an analog system for the digital age that will help you organize the present, record the past, and plan for the future. I mean, what is it? I don't get it. I don't what? understand. Tell okay. me. No, I just like, tell me what it is that's special about it. Like, okay. to me, a planner is, um, you know, the date mm-hmm. and like places to put in what you need to do that day. So tell me what it is about this that is revolutionary. Well, so here's the thing. Um, I have started and abandoned many planners in my life. Um, because I have a terrible habit of not keeping my planner with me and I'll just grab a junk mail envelope and jot something down or pick up a pack of post-its and and write down things. And so my life is written down in notes all over the place and those never get into the planner and I'm dropping balls all over the place and losing track of things. Um, So the idea behind the bullet journal system is that you, uh, you have what you have just these blank pieces of paper that you can use to both organize what you're doing, you can customize it for what you need for the type of planner person that you are. 
Some of this is going to be hard to explain because I'm obviously talking about something that's really visual. But the idea is that it's a really simple system where you are just recording bullet style what needs to be done that day or what events are coming up. Um, And then whatever you don't get to off of your to-do list, you are translating um, onto the next list. And again, I'm just going to have to put some um, examples in the show notes to really illustrate what, because I can tell by the look on your face that you're like, why is this different from a regular planner? I don't get it. So it's not done by day. It's a, it's blank with lines or blank piece of paper. And you just do, it's just lists. And then the list goes to the next day. Well, okay. Now it is, most people do organize by day, but so you just start with like today, like we're recording on the 19th, May 19th, and you have your like little list for the day. And then, and you can customize it however you want it to look. Some people get really into it and do like uh, washi tape and stickers and make it really fancy, or you can keep it really stripped down, just like really simple, simple way of organizing the day. And, um, and then, yeah, just, you just kind of translate from one day to the next, what got accomplished and, and those types of things. Now that's just the planner part of it, which again, it's, it's, a lot of people just really like the customizable part of it that because every planner that I've ever come across, there'd be things about it that I like, but there will be like a certain format, like the way the monthly spread is formatted that I don't like, or the fact that the weekend is like really small and I need more space on the weekend, stuff like that. The idea is that since it's totally blank, you can make it look however you want to. But that is not even what I'm loving about this the most. The thing that I really love is he talks about this idea of having collections. So within your bullet journal, you don't just have your day-to-day tasks that you're working on. It's where you keep a running list of all of your thoughts as, they, as they're coming to you, books that you want to read, party planning that you're doing. Um, i trying to think your weight loss journal, if you're trying to lose weight or your exercise journal, anything that you're keeping a running total of, you can create a section for in your bullet journal. And the one that I got, I especially love because it has two actual separate notebooks in it that are in one, um, it's called like a, a traveler's notebook. So it's like a leather sort of binder. And so in the front part of it, in the first notebook, that's where I keep my monthly and day-to-day tasks. That's where I keep track of that. But the second one is my collections notebook. And I absolutely love it because this is where I am actually like, I'm still reaching for it, even though I started this in January and normally I would have abandoned a planner by June, let's be honest. Um, I'm totally still reaching for it to record all of my various random thoughts as they're coming to me and they have one place that they all live together and I'm not losing them in my van or getting, they're not getting tossed out in the kitchen trash or whatever. So you could use any kind of notebook or he sells specific I don't think, bullet notebooks? I don't know that he sells them. Oh, where'd you get yours? I ordered mine from Amazon. It is from a company called ZLYC. It's their retro classic vintage traveler's notebook. And of course, I'll put a, a link into the show notes, um, but it's ZLYC and... Um, so yeah, I mean, different people, people use all different kinds of notebooks. You could literally just pick up a 98 cent notebook at the grocery store and do it. Or you can order from Etsy, like I said, just like a, um, a really nice one. Um, but as Is long this as- like a thing, like if I were to um, search the hashtag on Instagram bullet journal? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Will I get tons of examples? You will get tons of examples. And I'll tell you where else you could find tons of examples. And that's on Pinterest. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I'm, and I am newly back into Pinterest. Okay. Lately. So Pinterest, YouTube, Instagram, and guess what? There's a Facebook group for it and I'm in it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I will say I, I started out and ended up making fun of you. But I will say why this does kind of appeal to me is because um, I'm also a a major list taker. And I have found a system that works for me okay, which is why I'm a little hesitant to change it. And it's a combination of my written planner, my moleskin that has the um, days of the week on one side and then is just blank lines on the other Mm -hmm, side. mm -hmm. So I do like, so I just have a running list for that whole week. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Because I most, almost, I mean, most of my tasks in life, just because of how my life is running right now, just need to be accomplished within a few days. They're 
few things that I have to do like that day. Yeah, yeah. So that's why that type of thing works for me. And then I also use Evernote. Um, and I keep a list of like, what you were saying, um, books I want to read or, uh, movie recommendations or blog tasks I want to get to or whatever. What I, and that works for me because my Evernote syncs across my computer and my phone and my, so I can make a note and it syncs everywhere, which I love. Mm -hmm. But the thing about Evernote, um, or even like a digital calendar or whatever you're using is that it, you can't keep it forever. And I do like right. keeping those things fair. Yeah. Like seeing what my notes were, seeing what my totally, totally thoughts were. That's why I love it. Um, and I feel like, like I know that there are Evernote enthusiasts that love how it works. I, I like literally can't understand how it works. <laughs> I've tried so many times. I followed tutorials and it feels clunky to me. It feels so clunky. I'm like, I can just jot it down in my notebook with my pen and paper. Right. But who always has their pen and paper? Like, I think I use Evernote the most when I'm out and about. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Or also when I'm on my computer, like actively working, I always have Evernote up as a window or whatever. So if I have a quick thought or I see on Twitter that someone I admire recommends a book or whatever, I don't have time to click through and research the book and the blah, blah, blah. blah. So I just jot it into... Evernote and come back to it. Hmm. Okay. I, I don't know. I know it works for a lot of people. I cannot seem to get it to work for myself. So I'm, I'm so enthusiastic about the bullet journal system and I've been talking it up to a lot of people this year. So I'm finally talking about it as my awesome of the week. And I'm going to take some pictures of some of the ways that mine is set up so you can get a visual of what yes. I'm talking about because it's hard That's to, what I was going to ask. Yeah. It's hard to like explain like, why is this different? Um, so I'll take some pictures and I will pop them into the show notes. Um, I will probably share those pictures in the Facebook group too. So just as a reminder, you can go to Facebook and look for Sorta Awesome Hangout. And that's where we are hanging out and talking about the show. And I will share some pictures in there too to kind of explain a little bit further. This the Facebook like. group has been fun, I think. Don't you think? It's, it's so fun? fun. I love it. Yes. And it's, I mean, I feel like more and more people are joining us every day in there. So, um, yeah. I love, I love hearing other people's awesome of the week. I do too. I love it. I yeah, love it. There's been, a lot of been. awesome going on all the time. So I have so enjoyed that. Um, so yeah. So actually speaking of the Facebook group, we're going to be talking about that more in a moment because, um, So we knew that in preparation for Laura's show, there's been some very specific questions that people wanted to ask Laura. So for our question and answer segment today, these questions were all directed specifically to Laura. One of them is going to come here in a moment. We'll get to the one that we pulled from the Facebook group. But the first one actually is from the Tumblr. And so just a quick reminder that anytime you want to, you can go to sortaawesomemegan.tumblr.com and click on Ask Us, and that will give you a form where you can type in any question that you want to ask just generally, any of us to cover on the show. If you have a specific co-host or me that you want to ask a question, you can submit it through the Tumblr. So this is a, a question from the Tumblr. Somebody submitted a couple of weeks ago that is just for Laura. And uh, this listener did not leave her name, but here is her question. She says, um, obviously, your husband is in the movie business. So if you're new to the show, just as a reminder, Lars' husband is Jeff Tremaine. He's a director, a longtime director of many films and projects. Um, and so that is why Lars is getting this question. Uh, she says, I know your husband's in the movie business. I know you were or are as well. My boyfriend graduated from school with a film degree last year and dreams of being a director of photography on a feature film. He's very talented and works super hard for what he wants. Do you have any helpful hints for starting out in that field? Thanks. So Laura, what would you say to somebody just starting out with a film degree? I get variations of this question a lot. Usually it's like someone wants to be an actor or something. Um, Because I think that the internet I mean, the entertainment industry, it looks so daunting from the outside. Like, how would you even get in? Um, 
my husband's story is not normal. So you can't really ask him like, how did you work your way up? (laughs) Because he's one of those people in life who just woke up one day and decided to be a director. (laughs) Because he does not. And then he was a director. He doesn't have a film school degree though, right? No, he's an art degree. He's an artist um, first. And then he was a editor of a magazine for a long time, Mm -hmm. Um, like a popular skateboard magazine. Okay. And uh, they made videos and skate videos. You know, it was a different, it was the nineties, you know, it was a different (laughs) time. It was a different time. It's a different era. When people read magazines and skateboarded. Uh-huh. And bought videos. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so he it, it seemed like kind of a natural segue, but not really. Um, he literally just woke up and was like, and now I think I'm going to direct. And then he started directing. Um, That's kind of so, amazing. Okay. But for, for most people, what's, what's the path? For most people... Um, so I ask, I mean, I had my own thoughts on this, but I just wanted to confirm before I told the internet what to do. Uh, I asked his main producer, like, what would you say? Um, she's produced a lot of stuff for him. And I said, what would you say to somebody newly out of film school? And she said that just get yourself on a set. That's mm. the hardest thing. Just get yourself onto a set as a PA, as a um, whatever you can do. Because the person who asked the question, her boyfriend wants to be a DP, which is a really high ranking job. I mean, they're, a, the, they're the main dudes. They're the main guys. They're, yeah. um, and dudettes. They, oh, with the director, they're planning the shot. They're executing the shot. They're in charge of all the camera. And so that's a, that's a huge job. So unless you're on a student film or, or something, you're not going to come out of film school with that title. Yeah. So, yeah. um, I mean, I don't know what his level is. Maybe he's been doing this for years and just went back to film school as a backup. I, I actually have no idea. But um, if you can just get yourself on set, no matter what, and just start asking questions, move your way up, you're going to end up going to um, like camera assist where you're working with the camera guys. Maybe you've already done that. If you're, you know, I mean, you have to, for most things like anywhere else, you kind of have to pay your dues. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure. Um, and make yourself really useful and work a lot and you're going to work on projects you hate and you're going to work on projects you love. And, um, yeah, it sort of just comes that way. And then, you know, how I've seen it happen with other people is that you eventually, you know, have to get someone to take a risk on you to do the next level up. So if you've been doing, camera for years and you have a really good rapport with a director or a really good rapport with a friend who wants to be a director and you guys can team up for your first time. Well, that probably doesn't usually happen. You usually need to have one experienced person in that role. But that that's sort of not the sexy answer because you just want to like yeah. come out and be a filmmaker. <laughs> right. But for most of the people that we know, like 99% of the people that we know, they started in the equivalent of a mailroom, but on set and they just work, they just work their way up and, and you can do it more quickly than you think because, uh, not everybody wants to be a DP. It's not, it's a track that people go down, but I mean, it's, it's totally doable. It's really, really doable to make yourself a excellent cameraman who then transitions into a director of photography. Okay, that's good stuff. And I think just that idea of just getting on set and digging in and, and starting the work and and um, and sticking to it, I'm sure is a huge part of it too. So sticking to it. And um, the producer I spoke with was like, you know, she mentioned even getting an internship. It's really hard in the beginning. Um, like what, what I found in my own experience and everyone I know in LA is you just need your foot in the door Hmm, because it's all about who you know. So once you get that first decent gig and you make friends with the people around you and your boss and your, you know, everyone, then, um, it's easier to get work. Um, it's that very first step of 
getting in that's yes. like the hardest. Oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that is excellent advice. So thank you so much for that question. And thanks for checking that out for us. On to the next one. This one is from one of your readers, actually. Um, last month, I think it was last month, you published a post at Hollywood Housewife, your blog, hollywoodhousewife.com, um, all about podcasts and how to listen to them. And lots of your readers chimed in in the comments on that post with some questions just for you. So here's one from Hollywood Housewife reader, Erin. And she wrote in the comments, I love podcasts and I've always loved you and Megan. Take my fangirl status up a few notches now, which push pause the idea of anybody being a fangirl (laughs) makes me want to just like laugh for 10 minutes. Uh, Me too. (laughs) Okay. So she says, yeah, now there's a subject for discussion. How do you feel about how people, uh, how do you feel about people like me who feel like they know you or wish or want to know you, but obviously don't? Okay. What are your thoughts on that? I have a few to share, but I want to hear what you want to, what you have to say first. I have thoughts on this because I'm not shooting myself in the foot when I say this, but (laughs) I feel like bloggers um, have it, try to have it both ways. So like a lot of times when they're writing this like heartfelt stuff to their readers, they're like, you know me, you know where my heart is. And then when something bad happens or where they get called out on something or Maybe they made a misstep. Maybe they were misinterpreted. It doesn't matter. Um, maybe something happens and then they try to say, you don't know me. <laughs> so true. I only show you what I want to show you. <laughs> when like four minutes ago, you were just talking about mm, the connection. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like bloggers really want to have it both ways. Um, not just bloggers. I mean, bloggers is where this question is aimed and, and what I am. But like, I think this happens with, I don't know, politicians, celebrities, like anybody who's in the public and kind of going for connecting with, with an audience. Right. But, but then they, they want to have it the other way too. So I, I, and I've been there, like, I get that. I'm not knocking bloggers. I've totally felt the same way, like felt this intense thing with my readers and also felt like, that they didn't know me at all. So, I mean, it's, it's valid, but I think it's really hard to walk the line between be to, it's a mixed message, I think, sure. too often. Sure. Yeah, I totally get that. And it is, it's such a double-edged sword because for anybody who does work in the public sphere, like you said, whether it is blogging, or I'm sure that, I'm sure that, you know, people who are YouTube celebrities or whatever, any any person who finds that they are putting some part of their lives, a small part or all of it out there in a lot of ways for public consumption, um, it's such a double-edged sword because you do want to feel like, you know, on some level that you're being authentic and that you're sharing like that this is just real life. This is the truth. This is who I am. But then the other end of it is you can never you could never put your whole, the whole entire 3D picture of who you are and the people in your life. Like I, a couple of years ago, I was writing about something um, that had to do with our house. I was writing about how we were like getting rid of a bunch of um, stuff out of our kitchen. And um, I wrote that Kyle had um, thrown out some of our old stuff and went and bought new dishes. And somebody really misinterpreted what I was saying. They were like, that is so paternalistic. I can't believe he would do that. And and who? <laughs> what? I know. And how, how could he? I mean, how are you okay with him overstepping in this way? And it completely knocked me back on my heels because I was like, that's that's not even that's not even a little bit how he is or how our marriage works or anything. And so I went back and I tried to read it from different eyes because you do, you, you write with like your context in mind of like, this is how my life works. It's so hard to realize that no matter how much you really try to paint the whole picture that people are going to misunderstand and people are going to misinterpret. And I mean, that's just sort of part of the gig of, of living in the public a little bit. Um, But I do, but I do think that my 
readers or people who follow me on various social media channels, they do know a part of me. Like I, sure. I can't um, invalidate that at all. Like I could, I don't think I could ever honestly claim like you don't know me <laughs> or whatever because I. I mean, sure, we all curate what we put online, whether yeah. it's even on just on our personal Facebook or if yeah. we're sharing our life online. But um, no, they don't know the whole of me. For a lot of people, they have never met me or, um, you know, they don't. But they do know a part of me and I like value that. And I try to really respect that relationship. So if I think that I'm going to say something that seems out of character from everything else I've ever said online, I feel like I need to give them a warning. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. That's good. Because maybe I've never shared that side of me. So I don't just like throw it out there haphazardly. Like I respect the relationship I have built between myself and people online and want to say like, hey, if this feels a little weird to you because you didn't know this about me. Like I acknowledge that. And here's why I've never shared it before. Or, you know, you see what I mean? Like, I think that there is a relationship there to be respected, even if, um, it's not the same. It's not necessarily the same. It's not, it's definitely not the same two way street as, your normal friendship, it is a two-way street and that I'm putting stuff out there and people are reading it and responding to it. And I am grateful for that and appreciative to that. So I feel like unless something major happened, it would be really hard for me to be like, to turn my back on that because that's a real relationship to me is what I'm trying to say. Right, right. That totally makes sense. It really does. I wonder too, I have not had this happen, but you and I have friends who are bloggers and writers who have told stories of this happening in their lives. Maybe it's even happened to you to some extent where people in in your real life community kind of want to, um, I mean, like really seek out a person, a writer, a blogger, whatever, to really try to engage that friendship and like, like they feel like because they have read so much of what that person writes or puts out there in whatever context that they're like, we could be best friends. In fact, we should be best friends. You know what I mean? And they're just, um, really pursue that friendship, that offline connection in a way that is, that can be really difficult. I feel like for, again, people who live in the online sphere to really navigate, like I said, I've never had that happen. I've never had I've never had anybody recognize me in public. I've never had anybody be like, oh my gosh, I've read your blog for years. Do you want to go for coffee? (laughs) That's never happened to me. But I know it actually really does happen because I have plenty of friends who have um, relayed stories about that happening. Um, It's happened to me. Has it really? Yeah, it's happened to me. But not ever, never in a way that, that made me feel weird. I mean, sometimes it can be awkward when you, if you meet someone in real life, um, at an event or something and they know all about your, you know, the vacation you just got home from. Right. Not even though I shared about the vacation, like I shared it, it's not creepy. Like they read, you know, I shared it, they read it, but sometimes I'm always like, Oh, because there's no two way conversation. What am I supposed to say? Like, (laughs) have you ever been on vacation? (laughs) You know what I mean? I know like literally nothing about them. And so I'm always like, I don't know how to further that conversation sometimes. Right. Very awkward. Uh, Yeah. So it's just awkward, but it's not weird. I mean, you know, it's nice in a way because they're acknowledging this thing that I've shared, but I'm like, I'm always like, I don't, I I like sometimes don't know what to say back. And that's really awkward. Sure. I, I sometimes get, um, people who email me and they're, what they're wanting to do is respond to something very specific, a post I wrote or something, but I love it when they'll say, um, like before I get to my comment or whatever, I just want to tell you a little bit about myself. And then they might say like, I'm a mom in Illinois or whatever they say. And then they'll say, I just wanted to tell you, um, that I didn't like this or I did like this or whatever they say. And then I always feel like, oh, good. Then I feel like we have a starting point versus when they just say, when they just email me um, a comment or critique or something, I I still read those, but like it's much more helpful to me when they 
a lot of, this happens a lot actually. And they offer up like, I know so much about you. You don't know anything about me. Can I just tell you quickly? And they do. And I'm always like, oh good. Now we're, now we're actually talking and I understand where you're coming from. Um, Right. And I've had friends like think, I mean, I'm sorry, not friends. I've had people think that we're friends and, um, you know, we're not friends. Right. There's a relationship there. But we're not friends. Right, right. In that because of what I just said, like I don't know anything about you. That doesn't mean we would never be friends or that right. doesn't mean like that I don't think you sound like a super fun person. Um, but because they know a lot about me or whatever blogger that they're reading, it can get awkward, but not. I've, ne- I've never had it be weird. I have had friends, blogger friends who have said that they've had like a weird scenario or a creepy scenario. Sure. Um, I haven't had that. Yeah. It's a weird, it's a weird, it's, it's a weird relationship. It is. It is. And I, and I feel like it's something that everybody is still just kind of trying to figure out because it's a new, it's a new thing. It's not something that even, you know, 10 years ago would be an aspect of friendship or an aspect of how you connect with people. So Interesting stuff. So thank you, Erin. That was a fantastic question. That was really good. Good stuff. Um, And this last one is from our Facebook group. This is from April from from the Facebook group. And she wrote for Laura on the topic of self care. What do you do for yourself to take care of yourself? Recharge your batteries, de stress, et cetera. And how often is it something you do? Um, daily, weekly, semi-annually, and when you really need a boost, what is it that you do to get that, and what makes you feel refreshed again? And I'm going to insert myself in here a little bit before Laura starts to answer, because this touches on something that, well, I know Laura and I both really, really have big feelings about self-care and its importance, Um, but something that I, and I do, I believe in it so strongly, but I think that self-care becomes so much more effective when you have a complete understanding of yourself and what is meaningful to you. Um, And of course, I'm always talking about personality stuff. And if you're an introvert or an extrovert, one of the biggest surprises of my life in the realm of personality stuff was discovering that Laura is an introvert by nature because I've known her for years and I have never known her. I've never known you, Laura, to be anything but extremely friendly and outgoing and completely gregarious in social situations. Just never met a stranger. So friendly. But that was back. I had that understanding. Um, I mean, I was so surprised, I should say, when I found out Laura's an introvert because I used to have that sort of pop culture definition of introvert and extrovert in mind, the idea that introverts are quiet and don't like social settings and extroverts are the people who um, handle social settings really well. When in reality, the truth is the introvert extrovert thing really comes down to what April is talking about here. What is it that recharges your batteries? What is it that refreshes you and gives you energy? So anyway, Laura, as an introvert by nature, who, because of your life and lifestyle and um, family and all the demands on your time, you have to be out in public and and spending time engaging with people a lot. What does self-care look like for you? Um, I'm a major big time introvert. I know. It's so, it's so crazy to me even still to this day. I know because I'm really chatty mm-hmm. and it, social situations don't bother me, but um, I, the older I get it, the worse it gets that it, the longer it takes me to recover from Hmm. like a party or, uh, even like a weekend away, I have to really buckle down. Okay. So self-care has changed for me over the years. I think, I think this is true for everyone. Um, like when I was young, I thought, well, I mean, it's all relative, isn't it? When I was younger, when I was in my twenties, I thought that self-care meant like, you know, I don't know, taking care of your manicures or taking a bubble bath or like, you know, almost like appearance things. Mm, mm -hmm. Um, And and there's some truth to that because when I was 
you know, working paycheck to paycheck was very broke. I would sometimes splurge on a $10 manicure and I more than got my money's worth out of that. So to me at that time, self-care was spending 10 bucks that was hard for me to let go of, but that helped my self-esteem by leaps and bounds, you know, to just feel put together to, you know, that made me feel put together. So, you know, things change over time. Now that I'm a mom, um, and I lived alone or with one other roommate for years, all in my twenties. So I get a lot of alone time then, even though I worked a lot and stuff like that, but I had whole weekends to myself. I had whole evenings to myself often. And that was very normal to me. And I'd never had to like necessarily set aside time for that. Right. When I became a wife and mom right now, self-care primarily means I need an hour by myself. Yeah. Every day. Okay. Which is hard to come by. Yeah. Sometimes. It is. Um, It is. Both my kids are in preschool now. So it's the past few months have actually been a huge relief to me just because, um, I am a better human. (laughs) Sure. Yes. When I have, when I have been by myself and I mean by myself, like I love my husband. It can't, it doesn't work with him. Mm -hmm. Um, I have to be alone. Yes. Truly. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I try to get an hour of alone time a day. I, that can be, productive? Like I can be. That's what I was going to ask. Are you like working? Are you reading? What are you doing in that hour? Are you just, I mean, sometimes, honestly, sometimes I would just like to sit and stare at a wall for an hour. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not a sit and stare. I can't really be working, working. So I guess what I mean, because that's like step compartmentalized differently in my mind, but, um, I can be productive, meaning I can be like picking up the kitchen or, um, you know, cleaning up, like I put stuff on the floor in my closet, like cleaning up my closet or whatever. I have to just be alone. I can be listening to a podcast. Um, most of the time I try to read every day. Mm -hmm. I try to read close to an hour every day. So it's usually doing that. Mm -hmm. But if I, if I can't get that, because that means you're like, that's like stop down, right? Like stop, sit down, read, whatever. If I can't afford that time wise, then it's, it is also effective to me to kind of be, like I said, picking up the house or, you know, whatever. Being in the car alone also works for me. So I can also be kind of uh, passively productive, but I have to be by myself. So that's my main definition of self-care just in this little kid stage that I'm in. But I also think there's sort of bigger, um, she was asking like, how often do you do it? So that's my daily self-care. And if we're in a super busy time where that can't happen, then I feel it. The whole family feels it. Sure, yeah. I'm grumpy, <laughs> like really grumpy, like, no, like not like a little bit, <laughs> like big time grumpy. Yeah. 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 And then I also do, um, regular things. I mean, I don't know because this is where it starts to get, I've actually had this talk with friends about back to the getting your nails done example or going to get a massage and stuff. Sometimes it's hard to tell if those are self, just depending on where you are in life in all kinds of ways, time-wise, financially, uh, personality, preference, like whatever, if those things are considered self-care or if those things are considered a certain amount of maintenance. Like I get massages. I've like sworn to everyone I know um, that deep tissue massages have changed my posture, my headaches, my, like a lot of things in my sleep patterns, a lot of things in my life. So definitely going to the spa is definitely a self-care thing, but it's also become a health thing for me. Right. So, so yeah. in some ways they're like all tied up, they're yeah. all tangled up is what I mean. Right. Yes. It's all um, interconnected when you start to look at yourself holistically. Right. What is going to make, what is going to, what do I have to do to be the best human that I can be? Not just as a mom, not just as a wife, but just as a human being, right. what are like the- what's going to make me feel better yes. physically and emotionally and whatever. So some of those things, like it's gray area of if that, if you call, if, you know, how you want to define self-care. The one thing I will say I try to do, um, is I know this is not feasible for everyone. So sometimes I even hesitate to say it, but I'm just going to say it. So once I try once a year 
to go away by myself. I tied the first year I did this, I tied it to Mother's Day. I was like, I had little kids. My my first baby was a baby. And Jeff asked me what I wanted for Mother's Day. And I was like, time alone in a hotel by myself, like <laughs> without you. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. And sweet guy. He complied. He got me a room and I just stayed in a room by myself and had room service. Like I didn't leave the room. Yeah. Um, and I slept like 12 hours, oh my which gosh. was amazing. A dream come true. Yes. So that was a few years ago. And since then I've tried to once a year get away for a few nights, um, just by myself. And yeah. I've mostly done it locally. Last year I went to Palm Springs, which I can drive to for like two nights and stayed at a hotel by myself and read and slept. And, um, and I know that that's not, not everybody can do that or is in a time in life when they can do that, but man alive it is. Well, I mean, I think it makes sense. Even if, you know, even if you can't get away for a couple of nights, it's sort of that idea of like a personal retreat. Like if you can even just carve out, if there's any way you can sort of cobble together the support that you need, um, have the systems in place to even just go for a couple of hours somewhere. It's just something to where, you know, on whatever timeline you need it. I mean, going Mm -hmm. away for a few nights, that is definitely something that for most people would be an annual thing that they could, I mean, that they would probably most people can't carve out that much time of their, in their schedule to do it. You know, every, every Saturday night, I'm out of here, kids. (laughs) (laughs) You're on your own. Um, but so, but yeah. I mean, you you can also make it work for you. So yes, yeah. my when my my sister has four kids. Um, when they were a lot littler than they are now, I remember that my mom used to take her kids for a couple of nights to to her house, and so my sister would, you know, was only at her own home. She didn't go anywhere. She didn't pay to go anywhere or anything. Um, but just being in her own house yes. by herself for two days was like amazing. I mean, I I would find that amazing. Now, I don't think that's ever, I don't think that's ever happened to me. (laughs) But I mean, I'm sure it hasn't ever happened. But, you know, if you can make it work for yourself, if you have that kind of childcare available or right, yeah, whatever it can, I think, but I don't know what you're an extrovert. So maybe that wouldn't recharge you. Maybe that'd make you crazy. You know what I was thinking? My Sunday afternoon ritual has become, this is so weird that I, I think a lot of people would find this strange, but on Sunday afternoons, I like to go to Whole Foods and get a cup of coffee and a little snack. In the way that Whole Foods is set up in Oklahoma City, um, there's a regular, you know, like most Whole Foods have a little cafe area where you can go and eat. But the one in Oklahoma City not only has a little cafe, but there's tables right that run right alongside the checkout lines. And I love to get a table right by the checkout lines, take some, I usually am writing, just like journaling or whatever. Um, I don't usually go and read, but I get a cup of coffee and I love, first of all, I love Whole Foods. It's like Mecca for me. I just, when I walk in there, just the smell of it and the atmosphere and the way the employees are so, I don't know. I love the whole experience. I cannot deal with Whole Foods. I hate it. I know, I know. I know. I'm a very strange person. I know. No, that. no. But I think most people feel the way you do about Whole Foods. <laughs> well, I love to go and get on Sunday afternoons. It's really busy. And the Oklahoma City store is really busy. I love to get a table and I just people watch and think. And it's so invigorating for me to step outside of like when I walk in there by myself, I feel like I leave. I leave mom Megan behind. I leave wife Megan behind. I'm just fully myself as an individual in a sort of communal place that I dig that just like on a philosophical level, I love Whole Foods. And I just sit there and I'm so energized by the energy of people coming through the line and just eavesdropping on people. And see, I cannot understand this. I have to like white knuckle it when I go to places like that. Like all the people that you're describing you get energy from, I'm like, there's all the people. <laughs> oh, I know. People. Kyle, Kyle thinks I am a complete lunatic too because he's also an introvert. And he's like, any kind of shopping for him is a major uh, exercise and just like, like you said, just like white knuckle, get through it. And, I don't, and, and to clarify, I don't go to do the weekly shopping. That's not restful or 
uh, a restoring to me. I literally just go and get a cup of coffee and write and think and the, the just collective energy of the place makes me, it helps me get back in touch with myself. So that's what self-care looks like for me. And so I think that really illustrates the point that you have to know what's your, what's your thing? What is it that you dig? Some people going to the library or a bookstore and just being surrounded by books in that sort of um, more academic vibe for a while would be the thing. For some people, like it's sitting down and watching a reality TV marathon. I don't know. It can look like anything, but you got to land on what your thing is and figure out how to make that a priority in your life, don't you think? I do. I think what's hard about the self-care talk, um, because you can come at it from so many angles, like we've said, but is that to me, the root of self-care for anybody is um, like remembering who you are. Yes. is like getting back to you. Totally. So you have to step outside of you. So step away from your office or your kids or you know, your space or, you know, whatever, I feel like you have to get outside of that to like kind of remember who you are. And I think that it, that's way harder at certain stages of life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. when my kids were tiny, they're five and three now, but when they were three and one or, you know, newborn and two, I would try to do what we're saying. So like I would get out of my space, I'd go to the library, I'd go to the mall or whatever I would do. And it's like near impossible oh, yeah. when you have little kids yeah. to like, to, to untether. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. So even if you have physically stepped out of your space and you're trying, you are desperately trying for self-care, like it's, it's really hard. Yeah. So I do want to say that if you're in a stage of life for any number of reasons, maybe you have a small business that it's hard to step right. away from, what, yes. whatever it is, if you're in a stage where, um, like mentally and emotionally, you can't step outside yourself to remember who your core is, mm -hmm. then you're never going to achieve self-care. No matter how many like spas you go to or Whole Foods coffee runs you make, like you're never going to get there if you, if you can't get there. <laughs> so that's profound. <laughs> no, it, it really does make sense. And I think that that's a great, um, a great point to make that there are def definitely seasons of life where you kind of just, maybe all you can do is like a stopgap measure, right? So like all you can do is, is get that nice hot shower in, in the morning. And like, literally that's all you can afford. That's all the time that you can afford. And I mean, I understand, I think anybody can relate to that. Like you said, whether it's because of children or um, your business or a season of life, whether you're, maybe you're a student, um, all kind life throws all kinds of things at us. And we definitely go into those modes where you're like, what you just kind of have to scrape together the bare minimum. Um, but, and I, you can't let yourself be frustrated if it doesn't work. Right. Like I remember one time taking a bath, baths aren't, necessarily my deal, but I didn't know that because I was trying out all these different yeah, ways to yeah. get back to myself. And I took a bath. I think I had a baby or something. And <laughs> a baby I, or two. I don't know. I don't know what was going on. I just remember like, I feel like I had wasted that hour. Like I got out and I was like, I don't feel rejuvenated. I don't feel better. Um, and maybe that was because I hadn't left my house or maybe it was because I, there wasn't enough time. Maybe sometimes it takes more than an hour. Like who knows what, but I remember being really disappointed. Like I'd wasted, mm. like mm -hmm. I'd blown it, you right. know, and that you can't, you didn't blow it. Like you have to kind of either you're still learning what works for you or you might, you just might not get there and you've got to have to have grace yeah. for yourself. Yeah. That's so true. That's so true. I'm so glad you made that point because I think some people could, you know, listen to your answer and be like, well, I'm never going to be able to go away. I'm never going to be able to go away and have a hotel retreat by myself or whatever. And maybe that's true. Maybe it's not, but it's about finding what is feasible, but genuinely, genuinely allows you, like you said, to reconnect with who you are at your very core. And it's going to look different for everybody. So yeah, it's fantastic. So good. We could probably do a whole show on that, but we have got to wrap it up. Oh my goodness. 
we have been the chatty Cathy's today for sure. <laughs> um, this has been so good. And Laura and I are actually already planning our next episode, the one that will come out in June, as it just so happens. And we did not plan it this way. But we are recording our next show when it is our birthday week. Laura and I have birthdays in June that are three days apart. So we're planning some special stuff. I don't know what we're going to come up with, but we're planning Yay, a special show. Gemini. Yeah, go Gemini's, Team Gemini, um, for our June episode. So we're going to wrap it up for this week. And Laura, before we go, for sure, please remind us where we can find you all around the web. You can find me at hollywoodhousewife.com is my blog. I'm on Instagram and Twitter as Hollywood H Wife. And I'm on Facebook as The Hollywood Housewife. Okay. Thank you so much for letting us put you in the hot seat this week. And we will. Yeah. It was fun. It was fun. It was fun. And we will talk to you next time. Thanks so much for joining us today at Sorta Awesome. Just as a reminder, show notes for today's show and every episode of the show are available at sortaawesomemegan.tumblr.com. While you're there, click on the Ask Us link to submit your questions for us to answer in an upcoming episode. You can follow the Tumblr for updates on the show or sign up for the mailing list at tinyletter.com slash sortaawesome. To discuss today's episode, find me on Twitter at Sorta Awesome Meg, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Sorta Awesome Hangout. If you are enjoying the show, it would be so totally awesome if you took just a moment to subscribe, rate, and review our work in iTunes. I have to give a shout out to the band Prager for allowing us to use the song Strut for our in and out music. You can find out more about Prager's nasty beats and pretty chords at progermusic.com. I'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss all the things that make life sorta amazingly awesome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.